1: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, I've got a few other stories I wanted to get to. I will have more time for your calls and your text as mentioned. Uh, but let's get into this issue of an Internet tax. And you might recall, I mean, that came up during the last election, this idea of a Netflix tax and uh, which party might consider possibly sneaking one in. Um, that kind of went away. But interestingly enough, it's back. The Heritage Committee, the Commons Heritage Committee, today released a report that's got a lot of recommendations. But one of them was to level a 5% tax on broadband internet services in order to help Canada's media industry adapt to technological change and evolving consumer habits. Now, according to the committee, they believe this is leveling the playing field because cable service providers pay a 5% levy. that goes into the Canadian Media Fund. Well, the problem is, is the Supreme Court has already ruled that that's not the same thing. Internet services are not the same as broadcast services. But this is what Hetty Fry, the chair of the committee, longtime Liberal MP, had to say about it. At the moment, as you well know, there is a five percent levy on broadcast media in order to be able to help them to bring forward Canadian content, etc. The BDUs, and we felt that there was an op- This was a risk that they would go into streaming and escape the usual 5% tax or the usual 5% levy that they have. So we're suggesting that that 5% levy be expanded. Well, that's what they're suggesting. doesn't make any sense. Problem is, too, the people who use the Internet use the Internet for all kinds of different things. So maybe some people are using the Internet to watch television, but what about people who are using the Internet just, you know, to bank or to... Uh, Skype with their, their family members or whatever, right? Why, why are we going to tax everybody for this? It's a terrible idea. And fortunately, even the government realized it was a terrible idea. Not long after Hedy Fry laid out this idea of an Internet tax, here was the prime minister shooting it down.
0: To be, very clear, we got to be very clear, we got elected a year and a half ago on a commitment to help the middle class and to lower taxes for the middle class. The first thing we did in government was lower taxes for the middle class and raise them on the wealthiest one percent we respect the independence of committees in parliament and the work and the studies they do but allow me to be clear we're not raising taxes on the middle class we're lowering them Uh, we are not uh... going to be uh... raising taxes uh... on the middle class uh... through uh, uh... an Internet uh, broadband tax. That is not an idea uh, that we are taking on. We're going to focus on uh, lowering taxes for the middle class, as we always have.
1: Well, OK, there was a lot of platitude, well, basically the same platitude repeated over and over again. For someone who's so unequivocal, there were a lot of us and hesitations in that. But there you go. The prime minister doesn't want to raise taxes on the middle class. Well, except the milk tax and the beer tax and the carpet tax. But sure. OK, yeah, fair enough. He did lower the income tax rate. Uh, for a lot of Canadians, and created a, a new higher tax rate for, for upper earners. That said, that's the Prime Minister saying we don't want an internet tax. In terms of some of these other ideas, like uh, pumping more money into the Canadian media fund, or requiring the CBC to eliminate advertising on the web, letting media companies deduct taxes on digital advertising on Canadian-owned media platforms, etc. Well, I guess we'll see whether there's an appetite to do any of this. But why do we need to do this? Why are we having this conversation in the first place? And why is an internet tax so wrong-headed? Joining us for some thoughts on all these questions, Michael Geist joins us, Professor of Law at the University of Ottawa, also Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law. Uh, Michael, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, this was um, rejected very quickly by the sounds of it. What did you make of uh, everything that transpired earlier today?
0: Well, it was a... And it is a terrible policy idea. It's one of the worst I think we've we've seen come out, especially in the digital space. Badly thought out, not really justified or assessed at all by the committee. Um, and so the only good news is that they essentially put it out for public consumption only to have the Prime Minister rejected within minutes of uh, it officially being released.
1: Well, as you noted earlier, uh, and you were really surprised by how little study of this uh, idea there seemed to be, because uh, not only might this present some accessibility challenges, we raise the cost of Internet service, but the Supreme Court already ruled that this this isn't even legal.
0: It's shocking. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why. This is a terrible policy idea to create an internet tax. One is the legal issue. The Supreme Court already looked at this issue in the way the Broadcasting Act is structured today. You can't even do it. Another is that the reality is that there, <clears throat> we're seeing more and more foreign investment in funding of Canadian content. There is not an emergency in terms of where is money going to come from to help support creating uh, Canadian content. In fact, talking about a $2.6 billion industry um, on the issue of creating CanCon just last year for uh, television purposes. And so much of that is coming, much of that increasingly comes from foreign financing. And so there is, in a sense, an offset emerging between decreasing revenues coming from broadcasters and broadcast distributors like cable companies and increasing investment coming from the market, largely from foreign sources. But then, I mean, most notably, of course, is this issue around making affordability uh, more difficult when it comes to Internet access. Uh, the ICED minister, Navdeep Baines, who's responsible for this issue, just gave a major talk last week talking about how Canada continues to struggle and has to pay attention to how too many Canadians still don't have Internet access. That digital divide where four in ten household, low-income Canadian households don't have access to the internet. And here you have a committee talking about taxing everybody's internet service and making it even less affordable.
1: So to suggest that there's a need to level the playing field, I mean, it's kind of a misrepresentation of what the playing field is, or it's apples to oranges comparisons, I guess, if we go back to that 2012 Supreme Court ruling.
0: I think it's right. Well, I mean, the Supreme Court starts by telling us There's a real problem that there's a problem with the way the law is currently structured. That um, you can't take the policy goals from the Broadcasting Act, um, which is where you get these kinds of taxes or levies, uh, and then insert it onto telecom providers. And the CRTC was considering doing this a number of years ago. They referred it to the Supreme Court of Canada to ask, was this even possible? Supreme Court of Canada said no. So as a recommendation, it would require a a legislative overhaul where we'd have to change with our Broadcasting Act and Telecommunications Act to do it. Uh, So legally, the answer is no, but there's even the, the broader playing field sort of presupposes, and it seems like this committee presupposes, that the fact that we're getting more and more people cutting the cord so that the contribution that comes from cable and satellite companies towards this CanCon creation may be declining necessarily means that there is less money to create. That's simply not so. And if you take a look at the industry's own data, what you find is that as there has been this decline coming from broadcasters and broadcast distributors, you have seen hundreds of millions of dollars enter into the market coming
1: from foreign sources. So it seems like a solution uh, in search of a problem.
0: I think that's right. You know, I think for all the the attempts to paint Netflix as the the devil in all of this and the problem in all of this, we're actually talking about a company uh, amongst the number of companies now that is investing very heavily in the sector uh, and that streaming is not a threat but an opportunity. In fact, you take a look at the amount they spend. Netflix says that Canada is one of the top three countries in the world in which uh, they're carrying on productions. They're putting money into the system, and in some ways, they're doing it in a way that one would have thought we would have wanted. I mean, they're investing because they like Canadian creators. They like the content. They like what's, what's happening here, not because there's a legislative requirement to do so.
1: And if the government really believes that the Canadian Media Fund or the CBC or or any of these other programs need more funding, I suppose there's nothing stopping them from increasing that funding.
0: Well, of course, and, and I think and I think that's an excellent point. I mean, at the end of the day, if you if you still believe that there is insufficient amount of funding, then you know make the case through the budget and take it out of general revenues. But to have this kind of regressive tax on internet access that essentially treats the internet like it's just cable. Um, failing to recognize that people use the Internet, of course, sometimes to watch videos or listen to music but they use it for so many other purposes it's for education, it's for telehealth um, it's for commerce it's for basic communication and to tax and affect all of those activities is just fundamentally wrong
1: and by the way concerning the CRTC and the other side of what the CRTC does we we got an announcement today that um, the CRTC is going to put an end to lock cell phones, providers will have to unlock those phones Uh, no charge, there's some more clarity now uh, around the uh, issue of family plans or shared plans what did you make of that today?
0: Well, a really positive step I think from the commission. You know, the I think the reality is that the cost of unlocking a phone from the carrier perspective is, is practically nil. It's pretty much just clicking on a button um which which effectively unlocks the phone. Consumers are still locked in by contract and so carriers are protected in terms of ensuring that consumer who either gets the phone at an amortized price has to pay that off uh, or they're locked in for a two-year contract or whatever it happens to be. And so whether the phone is locked or unlocked is really immaterial to that. Um, what it does do is it allows consumers to more easily move between carriers, and so I think that uh, helps from a competitive perspective. you got a, you got a perfectly good iPhone that you're content to continue to use. It's nice to ensure that it can be unlocked. And, of course, when consumers roam outside the country, uh, they can take advantage of cheaper wireless rates that often exist in the countries that they're visiting to. That'll have dual effect. One, it means you get access to those cheaper rates. Two, it may put pressure on reducing the roaming charges that Canadian carriers levy because they recognize consumers will have the choice of being able to use their unlocked phone using a different carrier if they so choose.
1: All right. Fascinating stuff. Much more, as mentioned, michaelgeist.ca on Twitter as well, at mgeist. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here. Appreciate it.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me. All
1: right. There you go. Michael Geist, uh, Canada Research Chair in Internet Editing Commerce Law, University of Ottawa, writes on these issues. Uh, There's a lot of writing, michaelgeist.ca. So there's uh, his view on why this is a terrible idea. And it would have gone over like a lead balloon. And I think the liberals realized that. Someone texted to say maybe this committee put it out just so the liberals could shoot it down and look like heroes. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know why else they would put it out there a really horrible idea. Uh, here, by the way, is what conservative MP Peter Lone had to say uh, on behalf of his party about it.
0: So the answer isn't to try and recreate this analog world with Canadian content rules and taxes and regulation by the CRTC for people who are in this new dynamic world. It's to let the new dynamic world unfold.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. and allow companies to innovate. I mean, there's an adjustment period. I'm pretty proud to work for a company that's uh, done a lot of work in establishing a, a huge digital footprint. And adopting that digital platform, uh, so I think there's a lot of exciting things happening in the Canadian industry on this front. So don't screw it up, government. Get out of the way. <laughs> How about that? Anyway, 403-974-8255. nine seven four eight two five five. We're back with more right after this afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at twelve thirty on News Talk seven seventy Calgary.